0: Today's episode is sponsored by Art of the Trek. One of the common questions I get asked from backpackers is how to better plan for a backpacking trip and often it consists of a lot of research and digging through maps to plan routes. Art of the Trek is an outdoor trip planning app that enables backpackers to research and plan successful adventures in one place. Art of the Trek allows you to plan your own custom trip or you can ask them to plan a custom backpacking trip at no cost to you. I've used this service lately to plan a trip through Canyonlands National Park and was impressed by the level of detail provided in every aspect of planning a trip. They'll also help with securing permits and reservations or anything else you may need for your trip for free. So check them out over at artofthetrek.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backpacking Experience podcast today. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. I'm Devin, I'm your host, and I started this podcast to continue to share my passion for the outdoors and backpacking with more people. And just to kind of give you a better idea of who I am, if you're new to the podcast, I've spent the vast majority of my life participating in various outdoor activities from a lot of years of rock climbing to camping, hiking, fishing, peak bagging, cycling, and a lot more other activities. And as a a native of Utah, I spend most of my time in the backcountry exploring the desert canyons of southern Utah and the high alpine lakes of the high Uinta wilderness of northern Utah. And in addition to all of that, I run a backpacking-focused YouTube channel called Backcountry Exposure. So you'll find additional gear reviews, trip videos, and backpacking education on that channel. So if you're looking for more backpacking-focused content, make sure you check out the Backcountry Exposure YouTube channel. So my guest for today's episode, as you saw in the title, is Brian Beckstead. And I could not be more excited to have Brian here uh, to share a lot of information and stories about Ultra and him as a person in general. So Brian is the co-founder of Ultra Running. And in our conversation, he shares a lot of really cool information about the brand and how the shoes came to be, but also how the backpacking community has taken on these particular uh, brand of shoes as more or less a favorite for the trail. Now Brian and I have known each other for a lot of years at this point. We grew up together in the same neighborhood and we went to the same schools, elementary school, junior high or middle school and high school. And funny thing is his mom was actually my kindergarten teacher as a young five-year-old, which is pretty cool. So it's it's awesome to have these various connections as kids then into adulthood and to follow on a more personal level the story of Ultra and Brian as a person and what that brand is and company has become today. Now, honestly, it made bringing Brian on to talk about Ultra pretty dang cool. And you're going to enjoy what he has to share. So make sure you listen to the whole episode because the story of Ultra really is a cool story in the, the world of footwear and the outdoor industry in general. In our discussion as well, we cover several different topics from ultra running, ultra marathons, uh, running in general, hiking, and some of the conversation drops some very specific locations and some names and areas that, to he and I, are familiar backyard places that we grew up playing in. So when you're hearing us talking and you're thinking, what the heck are these guys talking about? Just remember... It's a little bit of memory lane and affection personally for these local areas that he and I grew up in. But now moving on, though, here is Brian Beckstead, co-founder of Ultra Running. All right, everyone, I am beyond stoked to have a longtime friend of mine, Brian Beckstead on the podcast. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing so good. Really stoked that you're here. And uh, we're going to talk about Ultra, obviously, but I want to dive into some other aspects of your life to kind of let listeners here of the Backpacking Experience podcast get to know you a little bit better. So maybe we can start with you sharing an introduction about yourself, and then we'll just kind of jump into all things about this conversation around Ultra and the outdoors and backpacking and such.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, Brian Beckstead, uh, I grew up just up the street from you, right? Uh, Utah. So (laughs) you were on Carterville. I was on Linwood drive. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've been an outdoor enthusiast my entire life. Uh, some of my very first memories of my life actually were in granddaddy basin. I was, I was five years old and, uh, we were up there. My sister was into horseback riding, but we backpacked in and fished and camped and, Um, just love the outdoors, uh, very competitive runner, uh, run 60 ultra marathons all around the world. Uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) you know, competitively in high school, did a little bit in college, but struggled with a bunch of injuries. And, uh, I started working actually at a running store back when I was 16 years old. So I've been in the running industry now for 22 years. So that's crazy. uh, Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a degree in exercise science and outdoor recreation management from Utah Valley University. Uh, I've actually taught adjunct. I've taught backpacking adjunct there, several courses. Um, a Knowles grad, National Outdoor Leadership School, um, and uh, avid fly fisherman, trail runner, skier. Uh, I just love being outdoors; just part of my life. Um, grew up doing it as a kid. My dad would take take us backpacking up in the High a lot every summer. I looked forward to it more than anything else, and so the outdoors really defined so much of my life. And so I'm I'm super happy to to be with you and to be on the podcast because I think that we uh, we, we despite you know not only did we live close to each other but uh, grew up close to each other. We uh, seems like we've done similar career paths in certain. <laughs>
0: yeah, places. I was just so, gonna say uh, as you're job. like going. As you're going through that like resume of information and just things that you've done, we graduated from the same uh, outdoor program at Utah Valley University, and you taught backpacking adjunct. I'm teaching backpacking as an adjunct there as well, and we know a lot of the same people. And oh yeah, Cam yeah, yeah,
1: McGutsey and, and Garth. <laughs>
0: We could just go down like memory lane here, but a lot of everybody listening is not going to really know what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll save the listeners from some of that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we definitely have, it's pretty, it's pretty cool.
0: So cool. Um, I mean, you talked about, you've run a lot of ultras and, uh, like ultra marathons, Mm -hmm. a lot of trail running and like fly fishing. Would you say that those are kind of like your core outdoor activities that you are involved in now? Yep.
1: Yeah. I, um, you know, when I started ultra, I, uh, <clears throat> I sold my whitewater gear. Uh, so I have it, I don't do whitewater kayaking anymore and okay. just, just time and energy. I don't do much rock climbing anymore. So I've had to kind of narrow things down with life. But, uh, right now it's trail running, fly fishing and skiing. Those are, those are my current outdoor activities. And, um, but I just, I mean, i I'll, I just love being out outdoors in the wilderness and the mountains and the desert. So, but, those are definitely my my go-tos right now.
0: That's awesome. So I'm curious because you've got a professional life and Ultra has very clearly grown into a very large business from what it was. And we'll talk about the history. Uh, we'll have you give us a history lesson basically here in a minute. But I'm curious with all of these outdoor activities that you do, having a professional life, like how do you manage how to balance that life of enjoying the outdoors, but also spending time with the family and getting the time that we need to, I don't know, recreate and get that release that we need.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's always hard. There's, there's, there's times and years where I've done better and times and years where I haven't done as well. But, you know, a couple things that I've done is, you know, I, uh, I love fly fishing and I, I used to backpack a lot. And so, um, as I started having kids and starting ultra, I, I just didn't have time. And so one of the things that I did, and I'm not the first to do it, um, but I, I didn't know anybody else doing it at the time. And, but I would do, I coined a term called ultra fishing, where um, I would go up um, and do, you know, 15, 20, even up to 40 mile runs in a day and I take a small little fly rod with me and I'll stop um, at the lakes of the Alpine lakes and fish, you know? And so um, that was, I did that. I started doing that about, about 10, 11 years ago now, uh, just because I didn't have time to do my backpacking trips. I didn't have time to do my training for the races and I didn't have time um, to do all the fly fishing. And so I just started combining them into one thing. So I would just do like all of these activities in one day and Um, you know, a lot of times what I do is, um, have dinner with the family and then just drive to the trailhead, um, you know, a couple, couple hours away and wake up, but crack at dawn and make it an extra long day and get home that night. And so, um, that's what I did for years actually. And, um, I just didn't have time to backpack, you know, and I didn't have time to do all that. And so that was one of the things I, I, I. I don't know. Created probably not the right word, but but started doing and then started promoting and found a few other people doing something similar. And you just have to make it a priority as well. Um, you know, my my running in terms of competition has gone way down in the last ten years. So I've gone from being. Um, I wouldn't say elite, but, um, very competitive, particularly on the local level of ultra marathons to now, um, kind of a little bit more mid pack. Right. And so some of those priorities just have to change and, and certain things give and take, but, um, you know, I'd rather, you know, be with my family rather than, you know, being, being a little slower at races rather than be having time to be with my family. You know, my skiing, I don't get too many, too many powder days um, but I take a couple powder days a year for myself and after that I, I ski with my kids my family every Saturday we go my my you know, I taught my my youngest uh Kate um last year when she was four now she's five and she can just shred and she's five <laughs> my awesome. boys, I've, got, I've got a ten year old boy a seven-year-old boy and a um and a five-year-old girl and but my wife and I both ski so that's just that's kind of how I, I plan it out. You know, some of my activities are more family based and other ones I just had to squeeze in here or there. It's also been good for me, um, on the business side to, uh, to delegate more. You know, there were times when I was trying to do too much for myself. And so, uh, you know, too much work for myself and, mm-hmm. and i wasn't getting the outdoor time or the family time I wanted. And so I've actually had to take a, a you know, time to delegate and maybe to step back a little bit from work because, ultra, you know, starting your own company and and growing it like we did, it it takes a lot of time and energy. And so the balance is hard. You just have to find your priorities,
0: make time for it, make some sacrifices and just fit it in when you can. Man, I love that. I love that explanation. And it, for me, it seems like often it's, you kind of just have to go through the ringer to figure it out. Yep. And it's not yep. just this, well, cool. This is how it's going to be. And this is how I'm going to balance it. It's like, oh man, I've been way off balance and I just kind of had reality hit me in the face. And now I've got to reel it back and figure out how to bring things back into perspective and both ends of the spectrum. And so that's awesome. I love that. Love that perspective. Oh yeah. yeah. Going back to the, to the ultra fishing uh what have been some of the best places that you have fished uh, and been able to go fly fishing? and then uh, the the follow-up question to that, since you're connecting the two together, I'm curious if you have like a personal affection for a specific ultra marathon. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, cool. Okay, So a couple questions there. Well, yeah, as um, I've gotten uh, boy it was about I think about three, three and a half years ago, about three years ago, yep, three and a half years ago. It kind of dawned on me that I had not taken a week off of work um, (laughs) in seven years. Um, Oh, man. um, All of my vacations with my family would be like, I'd go and bring them along on a business trip and then take two or three days at the end of the business trip to be with family. You know, like do business Monday through Wednesday and then take, you know, Thursday through Sunday to do a family thing. And I really hadn't had a lot of alone time for myself either outside of just a day fishing here a long run on a saturday morning things like that and so uh, i i decided to kind of randomly to do this just epic trip up in uh alaska and um so that was, was in the arctic um way 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 up north we got dropped off it was in september so it was getting really really cold but we went and chased some, uh, massive sea run Dolly Varden. Um, uh, (laughs) that was, that was one of the the coolest trips I've ever done in terms of fly fishing. Um, I also, uh, now I, I, my wife and I kind of, I get one big trip like that a year now, which has been pretty fun the last few years. And so, um, last summer we did a, a year ago last winter, but it was summer in New Zealand. We went and did a um, got dropped off in the back country in a helicopter and hiked 20 miles up a river, just that we had hundred percent to ourselves. We didn't see a single person, my buddy and I, and we fished up this river for 20 miles over five days, just with our packs on our back, full pack, everything and fishing up the river with a full pack. That was pretty amazing too. So those That's are a couple.
0: Uh, yeah. So that, that reminds me, I just, I'm like envisioning this There was a film that I saw and maybe you're familiar with this and you could tell me what I'm thinking about, but there was this group of of guys that got together to go fishing deep backwoods, Russia, and they commissioned uh, these guys that are pilots to take these like double prop. I don't remember what kind of helicopter they're called, but they have two props and apparently they're really scary helicopters, but they flew them in super deep into Russia onto these amazing rivers and they were just pulling out just monsters. Yeah. i the
1: name of that. You know, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Exactly. There are these, um, uh, I can't remember. Uh, there's like Taman and then there's this other fish out there in the middle of nowhere. It's like out in Siberia, so to speak, but it looks so cool. So yeah, um, I've, I've been able to be lucky enough, uh, to be able to do that the last few years. <laughs> so um, Awesome, man. Um, so that's been really fun for me. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, I went out yesterday fly fishing and uh I fished this river for I don't know how many years. And so um and I still love it. So sometimes those big epic adventures are fun and incredible, but also it's just kind of your home rivers are, are pretty special too. Just bring back so much nostalgia and memory and so yeah, it's fun. Now, okay, so the other one you said was an ultra marathon that I have an affinity for? Yes, yeah. Um, well I, I think um, probably the one that, that really defines me the most is Wasatch 100, which is, I I now live real, a couple miles from the finish line. Now it finishes in Midway. It starts in Farmington and, um, it just runs the whole, the whole Wasatch front. It goes right across, um, the top of the mountains there. So, um, it's hundred miles. It was my very first hundred miler that I did back in 2007. Um, I've signed up again this year. This will be my sixth Wasatch 100 and um i just absolutely love it so that's um you know you just it's really cool because you know all the canyons there are the aid stations you know Farmington Canyon uh, yeah. uh immigration canyon uh lambs canyons where you cross um the highway there and then you have mill creek and then brighton ski resort is mile 70 you know and, and then it finishes out in um in midway so that that race is just amazing um it it really is fun and then the one that really um, was one of the more special experiences was I did ultra trail Mount Fuji, um, a few years back in wow, And that was incredible. 106 mile race that circumnavigates Mount Fuji. Um, and they do it in April. So it's cherry blossom season. So it's like, and it's still like snow capped and, Oh, it's like, that was, that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had was ultra trail Mount Fuji. But, but that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, that's 100 to my baby. That's my, my home course.
0: Wow. Well, I think that's a I think that's a good segue because I know that the Wasatch 100 for you holds some history to kind of the the development and the and the founding of Ultra. Let's go ahead and have you give just a history of how Ultra started, how you played a role in the start of the company, and maybe where it's at now and what sure. you're and what you're doing for Ultra.
1: Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned, I started working at Runner's Corner back in 1998, so a um, uh, little running store there right there, right, right where we yeah. grew up, um, mile from where we grew up. You know, just just became a kind of a runner dork in, in high school and um, just became got really into it uh, with my n- inclination to do tr- uh, mountain stuff as well from a kid. I started just really getting into the trail running side of things, particularly after my running career at in college ended due to some stress fractures and so I started running on trails just kind of just because I, I enjoyed it more than road running and so one thing led to another and I ended up in uh, you know double major with exercise science and working at the store with with my good buddy golden harper uh, we met the first day of high school actually at cross-country practice that was the first day we met uh, you know I went to lake she he went to canyon view and we ended up uh, meeting the first day of, um, of high school. So his dad owned the store and we became close friends immediately. And so as we got older, we started managing the store, which means you get a lot of free shoes and you have endless supply of shoes. And uh, <laughs> right. all the shoes we were forcing people to buy, not forcing it, we were selling people. We felt like it forced them to run not in great with great biomechanics. Um, you know, biomechanics has become a thing over the last few years, but, you know, 20 years ago, uh, it really wasn't talked about, but we did, we always talked about biomechanics. We really felt that running efficiency, um, was important. And yet the shoes we were selling people, actually, you, you had to fight against the shoe to run with proper biomechanics.
0: And my, sorry to interject, but I think it's important for people, the the listeners here to understand that this runner's corner store was not just your everyday run of the mill, like come get a pair of running shoes. Like you guys spent time fitting shoes for people. You would put them on a treadmill, have them go run around the parking lot. You'd observe their gait and how they ran. And then you'd make adjustments that way to make sure that they got into the right pair of shoes. Right.
1: Yeah. Thank you for calling that out because Um, you know, as I've been able to to travel and and, uh, visit lots of running stores all around the world, it's really made me appreciate uh, Runner's Corner. I I feel like um, to this day, and and particularly 20 years ago, um, we were very, very technical. We were always ahead of the game in terms of that. And so being in in that really technical space, we became super technical about shoes too. And Mm -hmm. so um, I can tell you about all these running shoes from all the years and some of them I loved, some of them I didn't. And so, you know, as I ran my first Wasatch 100, I ended up getting just these terrible, terrible blisters. And it was just, it was just painful. It was really painful. <laughs> I'd struggled with various injuries. And so um, one day, uh, Golden called me up and he said, Hey, I've been, uh, I, I, I started hacking up some shoes. And I was like, "Wait, what?" And so we started talking about how he was hacking up these shoes, and all of a sudden, I started doing it myself. And so what we were doing is we were um, cutting out the elevated heels in the shoe. We felt that okay, so all of these shoes at the and at the time, and even to this day, most running shoes, the heel is twice as high as the forefoot. Okay, so it slopes you down, right? It, it right, drops right. from heel to heel to toe. And the, 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 the thought process here was, okay, well, when you run barefoot, you're going to land at one angle. And if you run in a, one shoe versus another shoe, that angle of impact as you're running changes. So shoes are influencing the way we run, and we felt that, well, it's influencing us in an unnatural manner. And so by taking out the elevated heel in the shoe – We found through video analysis and and so forth that you could run with better biomechanics, uh, less lower leg torque, and all this super technical jargon. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, it just worked. It helped people run better. And all of a sudden, we were starting to recommend um, people buying brand new pairs of shoes. We were saying, hey, well, for 20 bucks, you can – <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll hack up your shoe, and all of a sudden it became this thing. Um, and and we only recommended it for people that were frustrated, that were having chronic injuries. And so a lot of people think that ultra is all this. Oh, only technical or fast runners can wear ultra. And in in, in fact, it, the opposite is true. We started ultra for people that were injured, people that had problems, people that were rolling their ankles, the back plane, shin splints, etc., patellar tendonitis, knee problems, and. It worked so effectively and it, it. we started sending out surveys for anybody who would do it and say, Hey, f- fill out the survey and bring it back to us. So we got all these surveys and all this information and we were just, it was awesome. So what did we do? Um, we didn't start the company at first. We literally gave our ideas to the other shoe brands for free.
0: Oh my gosh. Are you we're, serious? We're like,
1: yeah. We're like, look, we work retail. Right, you guys, build, yeah, yeah. Would you build us this shoe? Um, we cut out the heel, we call it zero drop since we're taking out the drop in the shoe. And okay, they went, zero drop. What are you guys talking about? We're like, oh, and then we lace your shoes like this, and we want you know, and we, we gave them the surveys. Oh, it fixes this injury. We We went and pitched our concept to shoe companies for free. Wow, um, and nobody did it. Um, they wouldn't do it. And they were like, they a couple of them were really rude to us actually. Like, what do you get? You know, we're 26, 27 years old. Um and so one thing led to another. And we're like, I wonder what it would take. And so Jeremy Howlett, um, Golden's cousin, was like, Hey, you know, um if I find someone to make some shoes, you know, what do you guys think? And so one thing led to another, and Golden and Jeremy um brought me on board for that. And next thing we know, we get a quote and all of a sudden we had an angel investor that stepped up really early. And, um, uh, Joe, I don't know if you know, Joe, he's grew up right, right across, right down mm-hmm. the road from you. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, um, he, he invested in it and, um, all of a sudden we're off. And so we start doing one thing and another and, and, um, ultra came to be ultra the, how we came up with the name is it's kind of silly, but yes, we just wanted an A name. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so then we started looking at, okay, we want an a name and, and one thing led to another. And a bunch of the words that inspired us were ultra, right? Ultra marathons. Cause that's one of the, what I was really into, uh-huh. we started by, we're alternative. Um, it started by altering shoes. And then also we found a word in Latin that said altera, which one of the translations was to change or fix that, which is broken. And Interesting. so we, we were fixing broken people and um, we felt like we were fixing and changing a broken industry and um and so that's when ultra came about and so at one point we needed some cash pretty quick and so i went to my dad and said hey you know you have connections you have friends is there any you know we need 70 grand and we needed asap and so it was pretty wow. cool actually he came back and you know my dad he's quiet and um you know he's a professor and uh you know, I didn't ask him for money. I just said, Hey, do you know anybody I can, we can pitch. We really need yeah. some at this point. And he came back a couple days later with a check and said, Hey, um, this is your inheritance. If you lose it, then, <laughs> um, you're getting nothing when I die. And, um, and you know, no pressure. Wow. Yeah, no sure. On that one. So that was actually really cool that my dad, um, believed in the concept and believed in me enough to do that. And, um, that though that $70,000, uh, paid for our cell samples, um, so all of a sudden, a, a set of Lone Peaks shows up—the Lone Peak, one pair—and uh, which I mortgaged my dad's house and my, uh, you know, my inheritance on the shoe. And it happened a couple uh, weeks before Wasatch One Hundred in two thousand ten. And so um, that's when you know again Wasatch has all these like cool like meanings for me. And that's when I laced them up and went out and ran and um, just just you know, really had some powerful moments during the race, particularly towards the finish when I'd taken three hours off my time. I did not have a single blister. Oh my gosh. Uh, And I'd already quit my job. Right. So I had no paycheck and I had a little young baby, no paycheck, nothing. And all of a sudden it was just like, wow, like ultra is going to make it, you know? And, and, um, it was a really cool experience having that, that moment and that knowledge. And since then, um, I've given my heart and soul to ultra, uh, worked just crazy hours and sacrifices. And, um, it's been amazing. You know, I was president for six years. Uh, we got acquired twice. Uh, the second acquisition was last year by a company called VF. Uh, they're pretty big. They own, uh, uh vans, they own North face and smart And so now, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's absolutely awesome. We're in 55 countries, um, we're, you know, the number one trail running brand uh, at Run Specialty. We have the number one selling shoe at REI, which is the Lone Peak. Um, and it's just been awesome to watch. It's been awesome to be a part of. At this point, um, I decided to take a step back just because, uh, you know, like I said, like we talked about earlier, um, balance, right? How do we found the balance mm-hmm. in life? Yeah, yeah. Um, I decided to take a step down. And so now I'm doing primarily PR and then a lot of uh, strategy. Uh, so doing a bunch of fun projects and doing a lot of PR. So it's been great. Been able to move up here to Heber, Utah and kind of spend a little more time with my family, work from home. And I still travel a lot. Um, and it's been just, just uh, amazing to uh, to be a part of Ultra and watching it grow over the years.
0: Man, what a what a cool history. I, I love that story. And it, it's especially exciting for me because I know you personally and knowing – your history and like your passion for the outdoors and your passion for the sport of running and in all that it's it just gets me excited <laughs> it's that's really cool and you might actually be probably one of the only people that's run an ultra marathon in a $70,000 pair of shoes
1: yeah yeah there's there's not too many of them no. <laughs> no. I, you know I mean there's always sell samples they cost a lot of money and uh, but yeah, it was, it was, that was, uh, that was pretty gut wrenching, um, a little nerve wracking to start it, but I'll tell you what, it sure gave me a lot of confidence and, um, finishing the race the way it did and how the shoes performed. And it's kind of fun. You know, the Lone Peak obviously is, is just becomes bigger than we imagined. And yeah. people was, man, this shoe feels like it's made for my foot. And I get to laugh and say, well, the lone peak was literally made for my foot. So <laughs> right. pretty much yeah. that people like it as much as I do.
0: Yeah. Well, so the the question that I have now is kind of tying this into like the backpacking and hiking side of things. I see so many like through hikers and section hikers and like fast packers and stuff wearing ultra's shoes and primarily like the lone peak or the olympus or the king mts like did you anticipate in when ultra was being started that this demographic of uh, consumers would be a heavy user of these products
1: um no uh you know funny enough the golden eye the year before we started ultra before like we'd even had an inkling. We fast packed the John Muir trail um, in eight days, you know, and um, I'm an avid backpacker, but we did not anticipate that at all. We did zero marketing towards it. It was all of a sudden it was just all people reaching out. Oh, I, I did the Appalachian trail on this. I did the PCT. We're like, really? Oh, wow. And all of a sudden it's, it's, it's exciting. We're for the, I, for the third or for, excuse me, the second straight year, we are the number one, shoe company on all the long trails, um, in the United States, Appalachian. That's insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the PCT and it's, we, that was not, that was an accident. Um, that was just, uh, it makes sense now, right? Because uh, you know, you're going to be better balanced with that pack on in a zero drop shoe, you know, it's your, sure. for your knees, that toe box, let those toes splay. And, um, it, it, it makes total sense, but no, it's been really fun watching certain people and di- certain demographics adopt ultra the way they have. And that was an accident, uh, you know, and now of course we have, um, a, a mid, right. So if people want a little more ankle support, we're actually just mm-hmm. a boot, like a proper boot boot. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. Called the TUSHER. So it just launched a couple weeks ago and it is, I'm, you know, cause I've always been, I'm a Knowles guy, right? I did Knowles course back in the day. And it's always kind of irked me that we don't have a boot that, you know, you could do a Knolls course in, for example, and um, that lasts quite as long as a lot of those traditional boots. And so we just launched one called the TUSHER, which is pretty cool it's a couple weeks ago. So now we have even a more of a proper boot that's going to have a lot more durability than the Lone Peaks do. Um, and, um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun watching it. Um, as an avid backpacker myself, um, definitely it's been, like, super exciting to watch that demographic adopt us.
0: Well, so I've, I've got a follow-up question to that that we – that I had not shared with you previously, but I, I want to ask you this because I am curious as somebody that has been part of the process from the beginning is something that I see, whether it's in Facebook groups or other forums or even like YouTube reviews people saying like, Oh, I only hiked uh, like 200 miles and my ultras are dead. My lone peaks are dead. And, sharing some kind of like disappointment in like the longevity or how like the durability of the shoe. And I'd be curious if you have any kind of response or answer to maybe how a running shoe is built differently than like a a hiking shoe or like a, a trail runner is built differently and like kind of what to expect from that type of construction versus some of the other shoes out on the market that might help people understand that maybe a running shoe isn't built for 1200 miles of day-to-day use or does my question make sense
1: yeah it absolutely does so um there's always like this um you know weight question um weight and cushion and flexibility that Mm -hmm. um runners particularly want that right um you know, most of the midsole foams are going to be using some type of EVA or PU, Okay. Uh, which particularly EVA, it compresses, right? It, it, it squishes. That's what makes it soft. It's very light. It's soft. And it's actually air cells in there. So as you squish that shoe down, that midsole foam, um, right, it, it creates that that cushioning, but it takes time for the air cells to permeate. So even as runners, we, we usually say, look, you know, if you're running every day, high mileage, we recommend alternating your shoes to let that cushioning kind of regain itself, right. Let that see, yeah. repermeate And so, you know, if you're running 25 miles a week, five miles, five times a week, you probably don't need two pairs of shoes to alternate. But if you're doing, you know, 50 miles a week, um, you probably should have two pairs of shoes to alternate. Well, the problem is, is you're only running for an hour or two hours and the shoes are made to last 300 to 500 miles. That's per, that's very industry standard. That's what running shoes do. Yeah. That makes sense. With the through hikers adopting us is a, they're not doing five miles a day uh, (laughs) and they have full packs on. And so the, the midsole foam isn't, it needs time to if you're going to, if you want to get 500 miles out of the shoe then you probably should alternate your shoes, um, every day. And so the through hikers and fast packers, that's been a, a, some feedback we've heard, but it, it's hard because it's not made for through hiking. It's, it's made for trail running. And all, despite the fact that it works so well for through hikers, um, th- those midsole foams, um, you know, they pack out a little faster, particularly when you're using it all day, every day. Um, now the lone peak 4.5, which just launched this winter, we did add, um, some durability to the midsole. There's not a lot of changes from the four to the 4.5, but one of the things we really addressed was, um, we upgraded the midsole foam package on the new Lone Peak 4.5, partly because of that complaint, but that's always always hard. I mean, they're made the last 500, 500 running miles. Um, you know, and, that's, you know, an hour running a day and these guys are on it 12 and 16 hours a day. It's just, it's just going to pack out a lot faster like that.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think one of the other things that really gets the, like the through hikers and backpackers excited is when you're hiking a, a long trail, your feet swell and you always hear people talking about, that my, my feet grow yep. <laughs> from spending so much time on the trail. Yep. And I'm sure that happens when runners do a lot of training and, and running with big miles. Yep. But the the foot shape of your shoes allows for the foot to, to swell, have that room to to spread out. And I imagine for majority of people that naturally just have wider feet, it's a more comfortable shoe for them to be in. Or just naturally versus other shoes that are on the market
1: Yep. Yeah, well and absolutely it, it just works um and now we of course we did launch a full hiking boot the tusher um 199 bucks it is a little bit more of a traditional boot it's got the thousand denier ballistic nylon it's got an event uh waterproof uh booty construction it's a full pu midsole which is much more durable um, but it does have a lot more flexibility than traditional boots um it is heavier. Right. Um, but for those who, you know, more traditional backpackers, I think they're really going to like it. No,
0: that's, that's awesome. I'll have to jump on and take a look at that. What do you, what do you say to, to people that either ride in, or this is even a, a personal question for myself that we didn't talk about either, but people that have really narrow feet, uh, like males specifically that have really narrow feet that, uh, for example, when I wear the Lone Peaks that I have, my foot uh, actually does slide to laterally left and right more than other shoes. Mm-hmm. Is there, yeah, is there any any like uh, reason to try to stick with that shoe, or is there a foot shape that Ultra is not right for?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's. We think that if in doubt, um, your feet want more space. So whether you have a wide foot or narrow foot, we think that it's going to be healthier for your toes to be able to display. Now the Lone Peak and the Olympus share the same fit. Okay. The the superior and the temp actually have a different fit. That's on the performance last, um, which is a snugger, a snugger fit. Last is the shape that um, the shoe is built around. So the Lone Peak and the Olympus have more volume, right? That's going to be a little bit just more space in there. Where the Temp and the Superior, it does have a little bit snugger of a midfoot, particularly not necessarily in the weight width of the base of the foot, but more the volume over the top of the foot. And so if someone does have a little bit narrower foot, um, uh, Narrow, slightly narrower or lower volume foot, uh, I typically am going to recommend a superior or a temp opposed to a lone peak.
0: Gotcha, that makes sense. So, I guess one one last question to ask you here is what what do you love about Ultra and the product that you're putting out there in the market?
1: Well, um, I guess it's a little follow up. Like you asked earlier, is well, whose feet is Ultra not good for? And I think that (laughs) okay um, and so i'm just going to tie back to that a little bit which is um you know all particularly and there's a lot of brand couple only a couple there's a couple new brands um that have made it um in the last 10 years previous to that nobody in the footwear industry um in the athletic footwear industry was new It, it was so the same um you know air gel wave you know, absorb fill in the blank cushioning systems. They were all arguing which one was more cushioned. Um, and it was just, there was no geometry, engineering, nothing different. And so what I'm most proud about and love about Ultra is that we are different. Um, you, you can't really compare us to anybody else. We're authentic. Um, we're unique and we're different. And so, um, that's what I love about Ultra is that, you know, we might not be perfect for every foot. But we are who we are and we're unapologetic about it. And, you know, if you want the same old, same old, there's a lot of brands you can just line up and buy. But if you want something that um, is different, that is authentic, that just works um, under so many circumstances, um, Ultra is pretty cool for that. And I'm really proud of that, you know, that, and I love that about Ultra, about us, that we are different and that's okay.
0: We're proud of our differences. Is there one particular product that you just feel like is your, your baby of the, of the brand? Well, definitely the Lone Peak. Um,
1: you know, that is, that's a hundred percent my baby, but we, we have a lot of shoes now and, um, and it's fun that, that I get to, you know, that we have a shoe for almost any athletic pur- pursuit, whether we have a new shoe called the Solstice XT, which is like, I'm biased of course, but it's just an awesome, awesome gym shoe. Anything you want to do in the gym, you know, and, and, you know, people can hike in our shoes and run in them and, you know, my mom who has all sorts of foot problems is, is 80 years old. And yet it, it, it almost, it, it helped her feet so much with her bunions and things like that, that she'd been having problems with. So I just love that our shoes work for people.
0: What's on the horizon? What, what kind of things can you talk about, especially having just been an outdoor retailer and you're, you're launching this new boot, but are there other things that with, this new acquisition a year ago that is kind of launching ultra into bigger picture kind of things that you could talk about. One of the fun
1: things about a a company like VF coming in and acquiring us is that they come in and they kind of poke and prod as to who you are. And it's been really fun with a lot of the new, new staff, new employees, new people coming in with this big, massive behemoth company. They come in and ask a lot of questions about who Alter is, and it's been really fun that we've been able to, especially one of my projects I've been working on, is to kind of help communicate who Alter is more. And so, hmm. one of the things that we've been able to do, and that you're going to see more and more of, is to rethink the definition of who Alter is, and to try to find cleaner and simpler ways to communicate that. Um, I right now we're really kind of just refocusing the brand in terms of the messaging and a lot of the product so we don't have anything super crazy new coming out but what you're gonna see from us is uh, more detail you know we were always growing so fast and we had you know only a couple designers and a couple employees that now with, with the breadth of the of, of an ownership group like VF some of the details I, I just think are going to be just, they're just better. Um, I'm so excited for the new Olympus four, which comes out in July. Oh, um, cool. It, like just the d- details on it, the, 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 some of the durability things that we've had, just the level of design and the colors and the detail. I just think that that we're doing so we're making so many improvements and it's just, it's just awesome that we're, we're able to continue to be who we are, but also to, um, you know, just improve in incremental amounts that we can always do better. And we can always get better. And that focus that we've had this last year or so under the new ownership group is, it's awesome. And the stuff we have coming out that I can't talk about in a year or two years, (laughs) um, it's just like, we are, we are not slowing down. Um, We are, you know, you think you see us everywhere now, wait in three years, we've, we've three to five years, we've got, we've got big plans. And I'm, confident we're going to hit it. I know we are. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Alter's got a great future.
0: No, man, that, uh, that's really exciting. And I'm stoked to see where it goes and continue to see the the products that that come out and how it integrates into the through hikers and the backpackers and, and all of that aspect, but also everything else that is focused on, whether it's gym products or, trail runners or just road running and, and marathon that kind of stuff really 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 cool so uh we also need to figure out a time that now that you're more local to me get out on the river together yeah man I'm, I, <laughs> let's do
1: it especially now it's gonna start warming up here the next month some of the hatches coming out in march and april are fantastic so let's let's uh let's get out
0: yeah i need some help on my i need I just barely bought a fly rod last year and it's first time actually focusing on it. So I need a lot of help. You'll yeah. be, a good te- be a good teacher for me.
1: Come on up. We'll fish the middle Provo or I'll meet you down at Vivian Park and Provo Canyon. And, um, we can, uh, cast, uh, cast some tight lines there.
0: I like it. Well, thanks again, Brian, for taking time and just hope you have a, a good night, man. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. It was great, great chatting with you. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: want to tell brian thank you again for sharing his background and some behind the scenes of ultra as a company in the running and outdoor industry i for sure recommend checking out brian's fly fishing account on instagram called ultra fishing and i've got that linked in the show notes as well but if you are somebody that enjoys the the world and the sport of fishing you will love following brian's fly fishing account ultra fishing he That guy is incredibly talented in pulling just monster fish out of the rivers and the places that he goes and does the fly fishing that he does. More than anything, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode and the conversation that Brian and I had. And if you aren't already following or subscribed to the podcast, I'd invite you to do so and also share it with your friends on social media to help spread the word. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love for you to share some love and rate the podcast and leave a written review. I love I love reading the written reviews that I'm able to see on Apple Podcasts. So definitely let me know what you think about the podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Now, lastly, if you ever want to chat more with me or have questions about an episode, you can email me directly or message me on Instagram. Just check out the show notes for all of that info. I hope everyone has an awesome week, and I'll catch you next time on the Backpacking Experience.